You are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. Well, good morning. I hope you're uh, looking forward to um, a great Thanksgiving. Um, I, love, I love Thanksgiving week. Um, the roots you understand of Thanksgiving really has Christian roots, and it goes back as early as the Reformation in, in um, Europe and, you know, as early as the Protestant Reformation. And, and then, you know, we as Americans kind of date our Thanksgiving beginning back to 1621 at Plymouth when a group of people got together and said, wow, God has really blessed us and given us good harvest, and so we want to express Thanksgiving. And so it's a, good, it's a good American tradition in my mind. I like the fact that we do it. Um, I'm thankful to be an American, and I'm thankful for my heritage. I'm very thankful to be a Christian. And the Bible is the authority for my life. And so when I open the Bible, I'm not challenged to one season of the year express gratitude and thanks to God for his blessings in my life. In fact, when I open the Bible, every time I turn a corner in Scripture, I bump into this passage that says, live your life in a state of gratitude and thanksgiving to the Father. And so what I want to do is just kind of take you to a place or two in the Bible this morning and and let's talk about just this overwhelming sense of Scripture that teaches us to live with this spirit of gratitude, okay? And I want to go to the book of Colossians if you want to grab a Bible and open it with me to chapter 3. Every year when I come to this Sunday of the year, I am tempted to preach a sermon like I'm preaching today. Sometimes I resist the temptation, but most of the time I don't. Most of the time... I do this kind of thing. And the reason that I do is because I think that we need it so bad. And maybe the deal is I'm the person who needs it so bad, so I do bad too. But to me, this is something that we could take several Sundays of the year and focus on. Just this need and this call of Scripture to live with the state of of gratitude in our hearts for what God has done. So let me talk to you about Colossians. The writer is Paul. He is writing to a primarily Gentile congregation. How many of you know what that means? Most of you do. A few of you don't, it means they were not Jews. They do not have a Jewish memory. They were not raised in the Jewish faith. They did not grow up as kids, you know, serving God as Jewish people. These are Gentiles. And there's some problems going on in that small group that make up the church at Colossae. There is a false teaching that is beginning to infiltrate the people. It is Gnosticism, which denies the full deity of Christ. And so in chapter 2, Paul talks about, rather chapter 1, the supremacy of Christ. In chapter 2, he talks about the full deity of Christ. When you get to chapter 3, he talks more about living this Christian life. And he says it's happening in the context of relationships. So you know what I'm reminded of often when I seek to live this life in Christ? I realize that you guys are watching me. And I'm watching you. And we're interacting with each other. And we're all trying to get to the same place, but we're going there together. And so we struggle together and we celebrate together and we pray for each other. We study the scripture together. We get involved in each other's lives. 
One of us, when one of us gets way off track, we, we kind of get together and we come beside you and say, come on, you got to get back on track. We do this thing together. And so Paul says, now that you're living this new life in Christ, you know, be where Christ is. Let your mind and your heart be there. You've been raised to this new life. So put off the old life. And he makes a list like, don't participate any longer in sexual immorality and lust. Put that stuff away. That's no longer who you are. Don't lie to each other. Don't be greedy with one another. In fact, what he says, as you're trying to live this Christian life together in the context of relationships, put on gentleness and patience and kindness and humility. Above everything else, love. Love each other. And now that gets us to chapter 3, verse 15, okay? And so let me share these words with you, okay? Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts talking about relationships with one another. So there's always potential for conflict. So let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts since as members of one body, you were called to peace. And look at the next sentence. Read it with me. And be thankful. And so it's a pattern that you're gonna see repeat itself two more times. He gives instruction about Christian living and then he says be thankful. So. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. And, and while you're doing that, you're going to be singing psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit. And then he says, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And he repeats the pattern one more time. So in whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of Jesus. That's the basis. That's the foundation. So read the last line with me, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And so as you're journeying through this journey, this Christian walk together, you know, let the peace of Christ rule your hearts in your relationships with each other and be thankful. And then teach and admonish one another and be thankful. And whatever you do, word or deed, do it all in the name of Jesus and be thankful. So what does being thankful have to do with the way we interact with one another in relationships? My sister Linda is uh, three years older than me, and she's kind of a funny person. She's always been kind of the comedian in our family. And uh, she'll call me once in a while, and just this past week she calls me, and I said to Annette, oh, Linda's called like three times, and I missed her call. She'd been trying to call all morning, so finally I call her back, and she goes, oh, I just got a joke to tell you. And so that's kind of typical of Linda. And so I remember a couple of years ago, she called me and said, hey, Ricky, I got a joke for you. And, and usually when she finishes the joke, while I'm laughing, she says, I love you, Ricky, I got to go by, and she hangs up. That's all she wanted was just to tell me the joke. And so she tells me this joke about this guy who says, I think I should become a monk. And so he goes to live at a monastery, and he accepts the vows of silence and celibacy and poverty. And so after five years being a monk, he has not spoken one word. And the superior thinks maybe we should let him say something. And so he goes to him, he says, you've been here for five years, you've not said a word. We're going to let you, if you choose, to say two words. He agreed. When you're ready, let us know. 
So he shakes his head, everybody leans forward, and he says, cold food. Okay, we can, we can work with that. That's good to know. We'll, we'll make sure the food is warm. Five more years, the guy lives in total silence. And they say, you think we should let him say maybe a couple of more words? And so they get with him. He agrees. He's ready. Everybody leans forward, and he says, hard bed. Okay, we can work with that. Five years later, they're going to let him say two more words. Everybody leans forward, and he says, I quit. And the superior said, I'm not surprised. He's done nothing since he's been here but complain. <laughs> this really wasn't the crowd for that joke, was it? It just really wasn't. All right, I'll, I'll be more careful in the future. I, I, I think we've got to be careful to be so hard on that guy, but I do think that we are tempted many times as we walk along in this life together to not have a grateful heart and to do a lot of complaining. You got out of bed this morning, you say, Rick, I came to church, got myself cleaned up, got a little breakfast, got in my car, got over here. But I'll be honest with you, you stand up and you start reading these scriptures to me and you start talking about how that we need to have this heart of gratitude and when you open the Bible, you, you see that we spoke, we're supposed to live in this, this state of thankfulness and gratitude and gratefulness to God. Honestly, Rick, I don't know that I have a lot in my life today to be thankful for. And, and I just want to challenge you and say, wait a minute, did you say you got up out of bed because if you slept in a bed last night, you did something that three-fourths of the population of the world did not do? Because only one-fourth of the population sleep in a bed at night. Did you say you had some breakfast? Does that mean there was food in the place that you stayed? Is there a place you stayed? Was there a shelter? Were you, were you sheltered? Because many people don't have a home. Did you say a car? You own a car? You drove a car here and you had money to buy gas to put in the car? But, but somehow, somehow we tend to live with this temptation to live our lives without gratitude for all of the blessings that God has given us. And I haven't even begun to talk about the important stuff like the fact that Jesus died on the cross and he's forgiven your sins and he's made you right in your relationship with God and all of these people that he's placed in your life to walk this journey with. That's the important stuff. See, when I open the Bible, I read verses like 1 Thessalonians 5, 8, and here's what it says. Pray continually. Rejoice always and give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And so you're looking at your life and you're saying, I'm just trying to figure out what God's will is as I navigate through life. I'm just wanting to know what God's plan is for me. And Paul says, I'll tell you what God's plan is for you. God's plan is that you pray continually, that you rejoice always, and that you give thanks in all circumstances. That's God's will for your life. And in the book of Ephesians, Paul says, give thanks to God for everything. And, and I feel this sense as I read through the scripture, I keep bumping into these verses everywhere I read. 
Let, 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 let me give you an example as I just look at the book of Colossians. This is what I read to you from this morning, chapter 3. But in chapter 1, I read these words from Paul saying, I'm praying that you will be giving joyful thanks to the Father. And I go to chapter 2 in verse 6, and I read these words. So, just as you receive Christ Jesus, continue to live in Him, overflowing with thankfulness. And I've already read to you three occasions in chapter 3 where he says to be thankful, but then in chapter 4 he says, devote yourselves to being thankful. And it's not unique to other books in the Bible. God calls us to be thankful. So, in your relationships with one another, live a life of gratitude. So let, let's talk about those words that I read to you a moment ago, okay? So he says, let the peace of Christ rule your heart. How many of you like sports? A lot of you do. How many of you know what an umpire is? Seven of you know what an umpire is? An umpire is really the best translation of the word rule. Since we are one body, so someone is an arm, you're a hand, Jesus Christ is the head, we must function in unity, okay? We cannot be divided. And so, as you are dealing with one another and you're dealing in your relationships with one another, let the peace of Christ rule your hearts. Let the peace of Christ be the umpire, the decision maker of how you react to each other. So I remember one Sunday. You guys don't remember this, some of you. But used to, every Sunday, the pastor stood at the back door of the church. And he would shake hands with everybody as they walked out of the church. And then you had people who slipped out the other doors because they didn't want to wait in the line and shake hands with the pastor. And I remember this one lady says to me, her name was Mary, Pastor Rick, we're going to see family for the holidays and I'm not looking forward to it. And I said, oh, I'm sorry, Mary, why? And she said, well, my sister's going to be there this year. And I said, is something wrong with your sister, Mary? And she goes, well, we don't speak to each other. We haven't for years. And so this young pastor's heart, trying to be a good pastor, I kind of lean in and I say to Mary, Mary, your sister, is, is she a Christian? Does she know the Lord? Because I'm thinking of Mary, you know, I haven't said this yet, but if she's not and you're the only Jesus she sees, I mean, this is an issue. And I remember Mary smiling and saying to me, oh no, she's a Christian just like me. And the Bible is saying, no, that's not okay. In, in your relationships with one another, let the peace of Christ be the umpire, the decision maker, and how you respond and react and treat each other. And so after first service, this lady walks up to me and says, whoa, the story about Mary, because I've got a situation in my life kind of like that. What should I do? And I said, let me give you a verse. I can't tell you what to do, but I can give you a verse that will guide you in this decision. And here's what the Bible says. Inasmuch as it lies in, within you, live at peace with all men. And I said to her, so God understands that there's some people who do not want to have peace with you. Some people have no desire to get along with you. They don't want to patch this up. They don't want to get beyond it and move forward. There's almost nothing you can do. But you should try. Take the first step. 
Do what you can do. And if they don't want to get along, then it's not in your hands anymore. But inasmuch as it lies in you, God gives you responsibility and He also gives you an out. Inasmuch as it lies within you, live at peace with all men. We were headed down to... Uh, over rather up somewhere I'm trying to think where I'm at I don't have my geography good yet we were going that way to uh, to Tulsa and then on to Branson Missouri for this retreat with pastors and wives there were about a hundred and fifty or sixty pastors and their spouses there and so the district superintendent had asked me back months ago if if I would want to speak at that event that he would like for me to do that and so I said sure but as we got closer to it I began to feel this pressure you know, about, boy, that's a lot. I've got to preach four times, and I still got to preach on Sunday, and that's a pretty full week for me. And so I've been trying to plan and get ready for this. And, and when I got to Monday morning, somebody said, hey, you're looking forward to going to the retreat. And I said, well, well kind of, but I got to preach like four times. And so I was kind of feeling the pressure of everything, and I don't know that I was feeling grateful in my heart or thankful for the opportunity to speak to these people until I get there. And I began to speak, teach and admonish, to borrow Paul's words from the passage. And all of a sudden, I began to realize what an opportunity I've been given to be able to stand up and talk to all of these pastors and their spouses about God's Word, to teach and admonish them. And I began to feel very grateful in my heart. It was a contrast to what I was feeling on Monday. And so Paul says, as you guys are walking this life together, you're doing this Christian journey together, you're going to be teaching and admonishing one another, and you want to do it with a heart of thanksgiving. And in the process, you'll be singing songs together and worshiping together, but you want a grateful heart as you do. Just hang on for just another minute here. Then he says, Whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the basis. This is our foundation. And be grateful in your hearts. So, so I understand if you're looking at me going, you know, I'm struggling, Rick, to keep up with you a little bit this morning. I'm struggling to get it all. I'm not for sure what living at peace with one another has to do with and be thankful. Or what teaching and admonishing one another has to do with and be thankful. I think the answer really comes in the last portion of that paragraph. When Paul says, whatever you do in word or deed, do it in the name of Jesus with gratitude in your hearts. And what he is saying is that what God expects of you and calls you to is to live a life that whatever you're doing, no matter what it is that you're doing, do it in Jesus' name with a heart of gratitude. Live your life in a state of thanksgiving. Why is it that we often focus on the prayer that hasn't been answered instead of all the blessings in our lives? So let me, let me take a few minutes before I stop this morning to see, to see if I can kind of make that make sense to you, okay? So focus with me for a minute. Everybody with me? There was a lady who went to a home of a couple who was desiring to adopt a baby. She writes about the experience, and it was pretty moving for me. She says, I walk into this home and immediately smell cookies baking in the oven. 
The home was extremely clean. It was small, it was humble, but it was very well kept. They sat on the couch. Between us was a coffee table, and I sat in a chair. And they began to explain to me how we're not very wealthy people, but we've got a lot of love to give. We can give a lot of love to a child. The lady begins to talk about her husband was an athlete in high school, and he loved to play sports. And the only really dream he's had since they've been married was that they would have a child that he could teach to play sports. A boy, they said, was what they would really love to have, a boy that he could teach to play sports. Basketball, football, baseball, it didn't matter. He just loved sports. Always wanted a kid that he could teach to play sports. And she said, I sat there looking into their eyes and seeing their desire for a child. And our organization had approved them as good adoptive parents. And she said, my heart was beating pretty fast when I slid a picture across the coffee table in front of them. We do have a little boy who is available now. He's two years old. She said, I desperately wanted to find this little boy a home. I wanted to find him a home so bad. For two years, we had tried to place him, and we had been unsuccessful. They stared at the picture, but they didn't take their eyes off. They didn't look at one another. They didn't look at me. I was, I was fumbling for the next phrase. What would I say next? He's full of life. His smile is infectious. He's a beautiful kid. And they continued to just stare at the picture, not at each other. They never looked back at me. And so finally, I just said the obvious. He was born without arms, as you can see. His mother abandoned him, gave him up for adoption. We would love to find him a wonderful home. And finally, the lady backs away a bit and sets up straighter and looks at her husband and says, what do you think? To which he responds, soccer. <laughs> she said, I didn't think of soccer. He said, you don't have to have arms to play soccer. And she looked back at the picture and said, he is beautiful. We would love to have him. It's the ability to see the blessings and the positive and the potential and not focus on the negative or the struggle. That's what I want to be like, and that's what God calls us to. To be able to see the blessings instead of the struggle. To be able to see the possibilities instead of focusing on the negatives. To focus on all that God has done instead of being fixated on the one prayer that He hasn't yet answered. Soccer. I think the inspiration for this kind of thinking comes earlier in Colossians in chapter 1 where Paul says, 
don't you realize that you've got to be thankful in your heart and you've got to be filled with gratitude because God has rescued you. That's the language that he uses. He's rescued you from the dominion of darkness and he has brought you into the kingdom of the son, of his son rather, the kingdom of light. Think about what has happened in your life. You've been forgiven of your sin. You've been made ready to go to heaven. You've been made right in your relationship with God. You're no longer a slave. You're no longer you know, living the life that you lived. Think about what God has done for you. This is the inspiration. How can I feel anything in my heart today except gratitude? Well, this isn't going so well. Well, I'm sorry that it isn't, but look where my life is. You know, God's blessed me. Let me, let me tell you one little story, and I'll, and I'll wrap it up with this. My, uh, my family and I, years, years ago, when my girls were little, we had been to a game that morning, and one of their games, and uh, we were at a McDonald's eating lunch, the four of us sitting at a table. And I don't remember what my deal was that day, but I, I was struggling over something. I was frustrated about something. I was not focused on the blessings. I was not focused on a grateful heart. I was focused on something that wasn't working out like I wanted it to. To tell you how unimportant it was, I can't even remember what the issue was. That's how little it probably mattered in life. But I wasn't doing okay. I'm not real happy, not talkative, not excited. I'm just there. And I'm not grateful. And so my little family's eating lunch. We're not talking much. Maybe because I wasn't talking much. And, and I look over the shoulders of my daughters, and in the play area, there's this dad with his two kids. And they are playing, and he is throwing them around, and they're laughing. I mean, they're just going at it. They're having so much fun. Those kids are laughing so hard. And I look at my table, and we're just sitting there eating. And I decided it was my fault. And so I said, Lord, help me. Because when I look at their life, I would rather have it. And so I say to my girls, you need to hurry up and eat. Finish your food. And they said, why? And I said, because we got to go play and their eyes brighten up and they're taking big bites of their food and we go over and we play you know their day probably got better but you know who else had a better day me because what God calls us to is good for us Even if there are difficult issues in what God calls us to, it is good for us. And so God doesn't say, I want you to be thankful and I want you to be grateful and I want you to have a heart of gratitude. And whatever you do, I want you to do it, you know, in the name of Jesus with a grateful heart. He doesn't say it to you so he'll make your life harder because he knows that if you live with a grateful heart, your life is brighter. And you can be mad and down and negative and focused on the one prayer that he has not yet answered and ignore all the other blessings 
but it's not a fun life. And you're not a lot of fun to be around. And God says, no, when I dream about your future, I dream about something else. I dream about you having a grateful heart in everything you do. So is that like good preaching? Anybody besides me need that? Because I need it once in a while. So you want to stand with me? And so if you want to pray, as always, you can pray. And so maybe you're just saying, man, if I start making a list, it is long of all the things that God has blessed me with in my life. And the people and Jesus. And man, I could just go to the altar today, Rick, and I could just get on my knees and say, Lord, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And it could take me a while. And maybe you're saying, that's the life I want to live, but it's not the life I'm living. And you say, I would like to come to the altar and say, God, make me like that. Can you change my heart? Can you make me grateful because I want to become grateful? And if you want to come for other reasons this morning, altars are always open. There'll be pastors here to pray for you. If you want to be anointed with oil and you have physical problem in your life. So we'll end our time together by praying. You can pray where you are or you can pray here. Okay, let's sing together. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the price you paid. Thank you for salvation thank you for an ending grace thank you for your hope thank you for the life you give there is no There is no one like
today from our hearts say thank you and hear us say Lord let the power of your Holy Spirit work within us to give us grateful hearts and help us to see the potential and help us to see the blessings and help us to see the good things and help us Lord not to focus on what is not yet there but to be filled with praise and to be filled with gratitude. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Hope you have a good day. listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.